What's up, listeners? The next 10 minutes will be on Indigenous participation. At a UNFCCC dialogue between states, Indigenous peoples, and UN agencies in May 2018, I was asked to explain how the local communities and Indigenous peoples platform could contribute to Indigenous peoples' right to participate in decision-making and how the UNFCCC should integrate the standard in all climate processes that affect Indigenous peoples or our rights. Because not everyone, and this includes many states and Indian peoples, know that it's there, what it actually means, or where it comes from. So it's super important to explain the legal background of Indian peoples so we can use it. You'll hear me explain about rights and standards that have been set and accepted by the UN that we need to build upon. So there's one tip, listen carefully, because for some reason, and I don't know why, seriously, I don't know, I went through the presentation like a freaking machine gun. This is the Goma Luku Podcast. Thank you very much. Excuse the technical issues here. <laughs> As we move forward, uh, our last presenter for this section is, uh, will be speaking on the connections uh, to other UNFCCC decisions. And that's Mr. Ghazali Ohorela, uh, Pacific Regional Representative. You have the floor, Ghazali. Thank you. Um, thank you, Mr. Cole, moderator. And I am pleased to have this opportunity to address this workshop and the representatives of Indian peoples and states present at this discussion on the further, further operationalization of the platform and take this opportunity to briefly outline how the platform should connect to the other UNFCCC bodies and influence its decision-making. As traditional knowledge constitutes an integral element of Indian peoples' societies and cultures, consequently, Indian peoples' rights to autonomy and self-governance extends to such knowledge. It follows that, in addition to their proprietary interests, Indian peoples have a right to manage their own traditional knowledge. This right, of course, also applies in all climate change actions. In this regard, I highlight theme one, paragraph seven of the ALTA outcome document. This document has a high level of legitimacy and is an important normative instrument and plan of action drafted by Indian peoples in 2013. The first element of the paragraph states, quote, recommend that states implement a comprehensive human rights and ecosystem-based approach into all climate change measures and initiatives recognizing and valuing indigenous worldviews, including knowledge systems, technologies, innovations, and practices, customary institutions, and indigenous governance, lands, and resources with enforceable safeguards in all climate agreements, unquote. Focusing on a human rights-based approach, it is therefore appropriate to focus on indigenous people's right to, to participate in decision-making. And in this regard, I appreciate the remarks made by Ecuador and G77 on the human rights-based approach as well. As it is widely accepted that the principle of participation in decision-making has a clear relationship with the right of Indian peoples to self-determination, including the rights to autonomy and self-government, and the obligations of states to consult Indian peoples in matters that may affect them, based on the principle of free, prior, and informed consent. These, con these concepts constitute an inherent part of any debate on the rights of Indian peoples to participate in decision-making. Participation recognizes this, the right to be genuinely involved in state decision-making processes pertaining to traditional knowledge, including in legislative, legislative processes. The indigenous people's right to be involved in decision-making also applies at the international level. Indigenous peoples must be adequately represented in, deliber in deliberations such as take those taking place within the UNFCCC. 
adequate representation is not only about relevant numbers. The sessions of the UNFCCC should, should be organized so that these people's concerns are genuinely taken on board, and the venue must be on the appropriate level to directly impact decision making. Allow me to elaborate on the requirement to directly and meaningfully impact decision making. It is recognized that in these people's participation in decision making on the full spectrum of matters that affect their lives forms the fundamental basis for the enjoyment of the full range of human rights. Of human rights. At its core, the principles enables in these people to be freely in, con in control of their own destinies and conditions of equality. Without this right, the human rights of Indian peoples, both collectively and individually, cannot be fully enjoyed. The UN Declaration contains a large number of provisions affirming the rights of Indian peoples to participate in decision-making, articulated as right to self-determination, right to participate, right to be actively involved, duty of states to obtain free power informed consent, duty of states to seek free agree agreement, duty to consult and co cooperate with Indian peoples, and duty to pay due respect to the customs of Indian peoples. The UN Declaration of Rights of Indian Peoples is firmly based on existing human rights treaties applied to the specific circumstances of Indian peoples, including cultural, historical, economic, political, and legal circumstances of Indian peoples. This emphasizes that the right to participation of Indian peoples is a core principle and right under international human rights law. The Human Rights Committee has observed that, it, that the enjoyment of Indian peoples' cultural rights under Article 27 of the, of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights might require positive measures of protection and measures to ensure the effective participation of Indian peoples in decisions affecting them. The International Labor Organization, Convention Number 169, concerning these peoples and tribal peoples in independent countries, contains a number of key provisions on the right to participate of Indian peoples. Articles 2 and 33 of the Convention require states to institutionalize the participation of Indian peoples in policies that affect them as an essential framework for the proper application of the provisions of the Convention. These provisions provide for states to develop coordinated and systematic action with the participation of Indian peoples from the outset to protect the rights of these peoples and to guarantee respect for their integrity. These requirements cannot be limited to the national level, as decision-making, as decision made by the same states at the international level also affect these peoples. The ILO Convention contains a number of provisions affirming the right of participation in these peoples, which includes the right to participation, right to be consulted, state obligation to refrain from taking measures contrary to the freely expressed wishes of these peoples, rights of Indian peoples to exercise control over their own development, and right of Indian peoples to effectively, to effective representation. Moreover, it is recognized that the normative international human rights framework for the collective right of Indian, to participation is the right to self-determination, affirmed in Article 1 of the Charter of the United Nations and other major international legal instruments, including common article of the United, International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights and the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. The right to self-determination is widely acknowledged to be a principle of customary international law and even a preemptory norm. Self-determination is also recognized in the UN Declaration of Rights of Indian Peoples, Article 3, which imports identical wording from the both aforementioned covenants and recognizes that Indian peoples are entitled to the right to self-determination as well as to the principle of equality enshrined in Article 2, recognizing that Indian peoples are equal to all other peoples in the exercise of their rights. The principle of free prior from consent could all could be viewed as a requirement, prerequisite, and a manifestation of the exercise of Indian peoples' right to self-determination. The principle is also of fundamental importance for their participation in decision-making. This is because free power and informed consent establishes the framework for all consultations relating to matters affecting Indian peoples. So in this presentation, I have aspired to explain how Indian peoples hold underlying rights to participate in 
decision-making in relation to the exchange of traditional knowledge and to influence, influence climate action in a way that I hope is helpful for your deliberations. I, out, I outlined two UN recommendations that underline this right. The UN Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues in its report on the 10th session in paragraph 21, in which it made the following call, quote, the Permanent Forum calls on the, upon the UNFCCC and states parties thereto to develop the mechanisms to promote the participation of Indigenous peoples in all aspects of the international dialogue on climate change, unquote. Paragraph 36 of the 2014 UN World Conference on Indigenous Peoples Outcome Document outlines that states, quote, confirm that Indigenous peoples' knowledge and strategies to sustain their environment should be respected and taken into account when we develop national and international approaches on climate mitigation and adapt adaptation, unquote. So full, effective, direct, and meaningful participation in UNFCCC decision-making processes is therefore not our request. It is an obligation that, per, that parties must fulfill. The platform should inspire the UNFCCC to continue and increase the partnership between Indian peoples and, part and parties in relation to climate mitigation and adapt adaptation, and aspire to meaningful, meaningfully include Indian peoples in its decision-making. In closing, I would like to express my appreciation for the hard work of those who have been committed to the operationalization process of the platform. I do not doubt that these efforts will contribute significantly to the pursuit of securing the full enjoyment of the human rights of Indigenous peoples and direct and meaningful participation into decision-making under UNFCCC. This pursuit is one of daunting challenges, but I'm encouraged by the many challenges that already have been overcome by the persistence of Indigenous peoples to see their aspirations realized and by the tireless work for further progress into, the better, into a better future, not only for Indigenous peoples, but also for humanity. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to conclude by again expressing my gratitude for the opportunity to participate in this discussion and address this body uh, workshop, and I wish you all the best for a successful session. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I really enjoyed documenting the work. Um, so please subscribe to this podcast and share it. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can drop me a line on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and let me know what you think. Have a great day.